and wait and wait and baby up TFC till I die Hello and welcome back to another episode of Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan podcast. My name is Mike Newell. You're with your co-host Jeffrey P. Nasker and Michael Singh. And one, we're all back together again for the first time. I think since the new year, though, three of us. Yeah, gang's all here, so man. Dope. Uh, and hallelujah, guys. Signings, official signings have started to show up. <laughs> Uh, for Toronto FC, which is a uh, which is an amazing thing, and I'm sure the fan base is all happy. And now we'll uh, get off Eric Eric Giacometti's back about a signing, or uh, you know, getting out the signings on social media as much as possible. <laughs> uh, but of course, uh, this week we're going to be talking about those new signings: Raúl Pereira, uh, Sean Johnson. Uh, the courtside Raptors remain unbeaten somewhat. I know some people say that they, they may have not quite an unbeaten record as we think, but, um, you know, who? I don't see. That's the thing. People keep saying that. I don't know who, like, I, don't I can't know think of one off the top of my head. I can't think of who. Yeah. I'm sure there has been, right? I'm, yeah, I'm sure even, there has been. Even Sean Johnson, as we'll, we'll get into here a little bit, like his decision was not made after he visited Toronto. There was still some uh some decisions to be made on his end so i don't know man i don't know i question that too this inks on the paper so we're gonna say that it's uh that it officially (laughs) it's a done deal it's a a done done deal deal. and here we go yeah uh we're gonna do a little roster reset here as we're getting to the end of the month and the beginning of mls start of season month uh which is crazy to think but um we are 26 days away um or 27 days away from the start of the mls season and of course we i dropped the burning question on twitter uh earlier this morning just your thoughts on the roster we're going to go through that go through some responses got a lot of responses there so we will definitely dive into the roster as well from your perspective tfc live nation but uh we're going to get into it lots to talk about gents um how have you all been how was your weekends Okay. Uh, first things first. I got to get into the into the shock jock. I got to get a soundboard because I really wanted Handel's Messiah Hallelujah when you said Hallelujah to be playing. Just pipe it in <laughs> for like a little beat. Got to sort that self out. And then it must be said, guys, you scheduled me out of last week's episode and then proceeded to have the most Jeff episode of this show in the history of the show <laughs> ever. You opened with like a 10 minute Arsenal love fest and closed with a 10 minute discussion about kits. And I'm a little hurt. All right. So it was, it was a tribute. It was a lovely <laughs> tribute, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's great. It's great. You know, obviously, hallelujah. This is what we've been asking for. We've been on the, on the edge of our seats, uh, waiting for, for some kind of roster moves to happen. And here they are. Um, you know, despite the fact, and, and I think this is going to come up a lot, I, I still feel so weird about this Sean Johnson signing. And I think I, I think I distilled it down to that each and every one of my Sean Johnson memories are of us owning his soul. So it's going to be difficult <laughs> to cheer for him in a in a TFC kit. I mean, this must be how Chelsea felt when they stole uh, Olivier Giroud and or Cesc Fabregas from us, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I, I, I don't think it will be difficult to to come around to 
to cheering for our new our new uh, number one goalkeeper. But right now it does feel a little bit weird, and I, I knew it would, and it still sort of does. You you feel weird about it, Mike? Uh, did you guys catch Pause's comments on Instagram? Did, yeah. What you trying to do here, Pause? What are you trying to do mm. here? Mm. No, fair, for those, fair for fair those, fair yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, for for context, it was uh, um, TFC announced the signing on Instagram, and uh, Pause piped in with uh, a bunch of uh, happy face emojis, and we and we know <laughs> we know what that was all about because I remember I remember that game as well as anybody else. In fact, I was games. going through games, games, oh, yeah. games he had the plural. In the playoffs, right? Yes, he had his yes, debut yes. against Sean Johnson, and then 2019 on the run to MLS Cup, he uh, <laughs> he panenka him again. So <laughs> he did stop one of his penalties though in a regular season game. He did. But fair play yeah. to pause. I, I I laughed. I'm not gonna lie. Um, he obviously still feels a type of way about you know maybe the way TFC treated him on his way out. So maybe that's just a shot back at the club. Maybe he was just joking or whatever it was. Regardless, it was it was hilarious and yeah, it was it him. was pure pure savage. I mean, if he's upset about how TFC treated him, what was that 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 sound bite on his way out where he said, "I don't care where I play. I told I told the manager if they want me to go, I'm gone tomorrow." kind of thing. I mean, that that didn't hit me with uh with that that kind of hit with a dull thud. So, he hasn't uh, signed with Miami. He hasn't resigned. No, Miami no, Miami. he is a man. He is a man without a club and the and the the the, 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 the general is... consensus is is they're holding out for Messi, right? Is that oh, is that well? Miami is trying to definitely make a splash with their third DP spot, but um, with Pozuelo, I'm, the latest I've seen is that teams in Spain are circling and La Liga clubs are circling, which is honestly feels like a natural fit. Obviously, given his background, he lives in Spain, or his family was in Spain. So yeah, that that would make sense. Um, it's a bit of a shame though, right? Because things went really well for Pozuelo in Miami. He had a heck of a season. Phil Neville he kept sure did. praising him, complimenting him, essentially credited him and Higuain for Miami's turnaround overall last season. Um, but that's just the name of the game right now. DP spots are coveted. And mm-hmm. they, like I've said in the past, that the bar keeps raising for the level of DP, what it takes to warrant a DP signing in this league. But yeah, no, shifting things back to, to Sean Johnson excited right that's that's the the best way we can put it when you take a look back at the history of toronto fc goalies and charms and i did a little bit of a deep dive on this going through every single tfc goalie he for us or for me he's the third best goalie in toronto fc history just by his resume obviously the best Julio cesar Right, you can't. <laughs> I thought you were, were going to say Stefan Fry, but Julio Cesar—that's a—that is such a hipster pick. You, the guy that the guy that like used TFC as a gym it. membership. Yeah, yeah. Like the, mm. the most talented mm. goalkeeper. Like that's what I'm trying to say. The most talented yeah. goalkeepers to ever play for Toronto FC. Number two, Stefan Fry. Right, obviously. Didn't Julio Cesar wasn't wasn't he between the sticks for Germany's absolute shellacking of Brazil at he that was. World Cup? If memory serves, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't take anything away from him. And then it's uh then it's Sean Johnson mm. after, right after Stefan Fry, right? Wow. So wow. it's, it's exciting. Alex Bono. I mean, I know the way he left was not exactly covered in glory, but I mean he did win this club's only MLS Cup as well. Yeah, Sean Johnson has an MLS Cup too. He's also has an MLS Cup MVP, 
right? You need a magnifying glass to see the banner at, at Yankee Stadium. But yes, they did win an MLS <laughs> that, Cup. It's it's confirmed, is, yes. That is true. Um, but yeah, yeah, like Sean Johnson's, I mean, I, I don't think it's a hot take to say he's a more talented goalkeeper than Alex Bono. Alex Bono, when you look at, if you're talking about a goalkeeper from Toronto FC's history perspective, Alex Bono is number one in terms of what he accomplished at the club because no one else has done it for Toronto FC, right? No one else is, he's, he set essentially almost every record when it comes to goalkeeping for TFC. So he is right now the most important and I guess has the most accolades for a goalie in Toronto FC history, most decorated goalkeeper talent wise. I mean, I, I think Sean Johnson's a little bit ahead of him. I'm not sure if you guys disagree or agree. No, um, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Um, I, you know, I, I noticed how much I interrupted you the last time I was on, so I'm going to let you go first, Mike, out of, out of respect. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, I, no, probably from talent perspective, no, I don't, I don't think you can really argue too much about that. I would say though that TFC fans shouldn't necessarily throw out. Um, all of the bathwater here on Alex Bono. Like, he is essentially as close to a homegrown as we got in terms of a goalkeeper, right? Like, we drafted him uh, in the first round of the Super Draft. We essentially developed him um, as a professional. Yeah, he did two years, two, a year and a half, really, at TFC2 um, before, you know, he got thrust into action because of an injury to Clint Irwin, right? Look, if Clint Irwin doesn't yep. get hurt, I don't know if he ever it probably does eventually become either number one or get in, but um, he got thrust in probably a little bit earlier than they had planned. Um, and he took that job and, and essentially ran with it, right? Like he didn't get the start in MLS cup I, I, in 2016. I get that. Um, but really in the end of the day, uh, the, the transition was really there to make him the number one goalkeeper. And he had a stretch of about a year and a half, um, between sort of 2017 going into sort of midway of 2018, let's call it, where he was pretty good as a number one. And then it kind of, I wouldn't even say 2018 was not exactly the worst season for him. I know the team did not do well, um, but it wasn't the worst season for him. But 2019, the wheels fell off for some reason, you know, whether it was the signing of Quentin Westberg or yeah. injuries or whatever the case may be. But it felt like the confidence went from him. And yep. he never really fully got that back. 2020, right. he looked like Alex Bono of old, right? He just had I a thought, run of I, games yeah, where thought, he had like three straight clean sheets, made some important saves. He didn't play that much because yeah. Quinton Westberg was Vanny's guy, but he looked like it in 2020. Uh, yeah. 2021 was was a bit of a disaster yeah, for which... a lot of different reasons, Mike. It's, you're probably alluding to there. Obviously, the whole Chris Armis thing and starting Alex Bono as the team's number one, put a little bit of extra pressure on him. And then 2022, Jeff, there was a point last year where you were saying that Alex Bono was having a bit of like a career year, right? Because he was, I remember that moments and points where he, (laughs) Mm -hmm. he was in form and he was, well, we've all seen the tweet from the stats, from the stats downers, right? Where they were comparing uh, Sean John's recent stats over, over his last year with NYCFC uh, with, with bones at TFC and uh, you know, we're, we're looking for ways to, to sort of glorify bones and, 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 and shut down Sean Johnston. Uh, but to me, I think this keeper has more of a floor. We know where his floor is. Yeah. Uh, whereas with Alex Bono, the floor ought sometimes gave out from underneath him. 
And I do think that that makes this team better. Um, if anything, just the change of scenery. I mean, it's obvious that there wasn't a lot of confidence in the goalkeeper. And that, has, that, that at a certain point, that has nothing to do with who's between the sticks. They've just got to move on. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that, that was the tweet that I saw that I thought was the most apt. He's got a, he's got an established floor. We know, you know what you're getting with Sean Johnson. That's and true. I think and, that and that's even, really important for this season. Even having that confidence behind you as a defender, right? Knowing that there's mm-hmm. Sean Johnson back there, honestly, frees you up a little bit mentally Absolutely. and allows you to play your game. Uh, just before coming on, I bit of, did a l- little bit of a dive into the stats because I was thinking about Amazing. that. And Amazing. When you look at Alex Bono, like his biggest strength, I think we can all agree, was his ability, for the most part, to shot to stop shots. Right? He was a mm-hmm. shot stopping keeper. Um, his save percentage is actually eerily similar to Sean Johnson's. Both of them over the course of their entire career. I'm wow! Just bring it up really quickly here. Yeah. So He's Sean Johnson's same, save yeah. percentage over the course of again his entire career. So Sean Johnson spent a lot of time with Chicago before moving over to NYCFC. Um, was 71.1%. Alex Bono's over the course of his entire MLS career, 70%, right? So almost identical. But when you mm-hmm. look at, at some of the differences, um, when you dive into some of the uh, more advanced stats, essentially one of, what this stat I'm about to read out is going to tell you is, is like goals save above, above expected goals, Right. And Sean Johnson, that's where I see a huge difference. Sean Johnson is plus 14.3 goals saved above expected goals, meaning he kept out about 14 more goals than maybe the average keeper would have let in. Whereas Alex Bono is at minus 2.7. So, you know, he's prone and we've seen it. He's prone to to some errors. And the biggest question. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest question is, I've been getting and I've seen floating around is who's what's Sean Johnson's distribution like? Because that's the <laughs> biggest thing when you think about Alex Bono, which fair or unfair, what people are going to remember about his time at Toronto FC is just how much of a struggle it was when Bones had to play with his feet. And that's where you see a, a significant difference in terms of players' ability to, or the players' ability to, to distribute. Sold. While NYCFC, they're a team like Toronto that loves possession, enjoys keeping possession. So majority of the time, you would see Sean Johnson play the ball short or a medium-range pass, which is classified between 15 to 30 yards. And his completion percentage on those types of passes is is absurd. It's like 99.1%. So he has Amazing. the ability to make the simple, easy passes. Alex Bonos wasn't too shabby. It was like 97 point something. But still, that 1% could be actually a huge difference when you're making a short pass or a medium range pass. Because those are those are costly turnovers for the most part. And even when you go a bit longer and you, you take, you know, look at some long balls that they've played, Sean Johnson's completion percentage is a lot better than Alex Bonos. Now, admittedly, I haven't watched Sean Johnson zeroing in on his ability to to keep the ball or pass the ball but just by the numbers just taking a look it seems like he's a little bit better than Alex Bono in that regard the one thing he lacks which Bono was really good at is uh collecting balls in the air so like coming Mm. out and and disrupting a corner or cross whatever it is Sean Johnson doesn't seem to be the greatest at that based on the numbers that I'm looking at so yeah it's an interesting interesting read um into Mm. 
maybe just the, the what we can expect out of Sean Johnson, but still there are intangibles about Sean Johnson as well. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah. you know, one of the questions I think a lot of TFC fans are asking is, you know, now with this move, we're going to talk about Rob um, Fred the second, <laughs> but, um, you know, in terms of what? <laughs> oh, wow. We swap okay. clown feet for feet. That's enough. Johnson just needs yeah. to be average. That's, wow, that's, Rob. That's that's coming rough. in hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, I, I think the, the question for a lot of fans now is this idea, this does Sean Johnson help make TFC um, a contender? And what I mean by contend, uh, well, I'll put, I won't, I won't put any disclaimers on it. I like, let's say contender, you know, in mm-hmm. your mind, does he move TFC the needle closer to being a contender? What do you think? Jeff? I love what Mike said. And I agree with it wholeheartedly. The confidence, this is the intangibles. And I don't think it has anything to do with Sean Johnson. It just has to, I mean, it does. I don't want to discount that, but it's another. It's a new warm body between the sticks when it obviously wasn't working for whatever intangible reason anymore with Bones and Q back there. So just on the basis of that, I think it's a tremendous upgrade. New blood, new ideas, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, does it make us a contender? I think we're a contender. I mean, you know, we're probably going to get into this later, but like, you know, Mike, Mike, you said you say it all the time. We, you know, Oso and Mac are essentially new signings, and I would argue that Berna and Feta were actually getting our first taste of them properly after this off season. So, without mincing words or 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 giving my soul to the hope monster, I do think um, there's a lot to be excited about coming into this year. Uh, and a lot of it is a carryover of the miasma from last year. So, you know, hopefully, um, you know, what, what was the stat that absolutely freaked me out? And I, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to get this right, but it's something like we're paying 26 games before the league's cup. Then we break for a month and then we play 10 games. It's like so this idea, yeah, this idea of us coasting for the first half of the season until the summer, sorry, league's cup has made that completely untenable. So, we need to hit the ground running. And I do think, I do think that we're in much better shape to do that this year than, than, than we were at last year at the same time. I'm not at the contender stage yet with this Toronto FC team. Uh, I think they need to add a lot more depth. I think they need to add a starting center back uh, for me to, to really believe it, that this team can, can take that next step. As you mentioned, Jeff, a lot of games this time around, right? Injuries are bound mm-hmm. to happen. What's going to happen when you need to to rotate your side? What's going to happen if uh, Lorenzo picks up a knock or, or Federica Bernardeschi t- picks up a knock? What happens Cheers. to your your attack <laughs> moving forward, right? So those are mm-hmm. those are legitimate concerns I still have with this team. And then when you look around at a team like Philadelphia, they're in a class of their own. Like they yep, yep. kept essentially their same starting 11 we'll see what happens between now and tomorrow but they kept essentially their same starting 11 and potentially even added to that uh with some depth pieces like they look like a team that can almost dress two starting 11s right now hmm. um so they look like they are really really uh, like i said just in a class of their own so that part's I, I I can't see them going neck and neck with a team like Philadelphia just yet. Fair. That's yeah. fair. 
And, and you, right now, I'm, I'm kind of on the, the same wavelength in terms of I'm not sure this team is quite there. I think they should they should compete for a playoff spot. I don't think they're going to be as bad sure. as they were last year. Like, I, I really don't see that. Um, I mean, if they are, oh boy, you know. Fire um, sale, yeah. But, I, you know, I, I think that you you have a team that should be competing for maybe those – maybe not the not shield and maybe not even top of the East. You're talking, you know, those four to seven spots, right. In terms of the playoffs. And I, I think that's a reasonable place for come to be right now. Um, obviously we're waiting for potentially new signings. We got another signing last week. So not necessarily it was all the Sean Johnson show. Uh, <laughs> Petretta. I think it's actually Petretta is how you're supposed to. Pronounce yeah. It name. sounds like it. It looks yeah. like it's Petretta. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Raul Petretta comes in from Turkey. Um, you know, he, I actually recognize him from, from Basel. So it was crazy that I didn't know he was in Turkey, um, but a left back, um, something we desperately needed. You know, I remember watching him in Europa League and and being being slightly impressed by him because he, you know, they played Man United at times in in the Europa League. Um, but interesting signing for TFC. I think one that for at least for fans, I think came out of left field. I don't think anybody had him on the radar or on the bingo card anywhere in terms of a, a left back signing. Um, but I mean, look, I haven't seen enough of him to form a full opinion. But, you know, I guess a left back is better than no left back. And it seems like at least there's some pedigree there in terms of the player and that potential connection with Lorenzo Insigne on the left. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that part's really exciting is sort of that connection, Mike. We were talking about it before, like early on in a, a couple of weeks back, maybe yeah. when we were saying how important it is to get a really quality left back to link up with Lorenzo Insigne. Cause I think that's so important because so important. He, let, let's face it. A lot of TFC's success is going to rely and rest on the shoulders of Insigne and Bernadeschi. That's just the way that this team is constructed. So you have to find up players who are able to get the best out of a guy like Lorenzo. Now, signing Petretta now to a TAM contract, a TAM contract, that signals a, a player that's going to be coming in ready to, to really fill a void that was left by Crescito, right? That's going to be the big mm -hmm. measuring stick, I think, but from a lot of fans, is how does he look in comparison to a guy like Mimo Crescito? And just one of the things Bob Bradley said that will we'll notice and fans will notice is just how smart of a player Petretta is. But beyond that, what I've, what I've seen and what I've, I've read about is that he's also a guy who has relentless work rate getting up mm -hmm. and down the pitch, which is actually going to be a really important thing for a Toronto FC team whose midfield, I mean, let's face it, they're, they're aging. They're not the fastest <laughs> midfield. So to have more legs on the pitch is, uh, is really important, especially when you have, Insigne and Bernadeschi as well so yeah you know I, I like the signing I like the pedigree where he's played in Europa League he's played in Champions League he obviously comes from a, a very strong background with with FC Basel mm -hmm. um I like the signing a lot yeah his pace is 80 in FIFA 23 according to Gray Reed uh which is amazing I haven't spooled up FIFA because I'm playing Last of Us because that show's amazing so uh <laughs> and I don't want to lose my space because I'm weird about my PS4 so yeah yeah once I once I spool FIFA 23 up hopefully he's on the squad um I like the utility of the player 
Obviously, there's some injury history, but it's TFC, so of course, because of course. But I do like the utility of the player. It, it does. I mean, I like the nationality. I think uh, getting an Italian to link up with Lorenzo was important, um, just simply because of the style of play. Obviously, he was playing in the Turkish league, so that we may have had a little bit less of that uh, as his career progressed. But um, I like the utility of the player. It feels it feels like an Oro Junior kind of signing to me a little mm-hmm. bit, and I expect this guy to be pretty solid at the back but like oro provide flashes of attack i mean oro was very capable of bombing up the flanks it's it it's only later in his tfc career that he was given less and less attacking responsibility and sort of had to be like the stay at home uh, outside back but i'm i'm excited about this i don't i don't know i don't know like like you said i don't know enough and i haven't seen enough but it feels like the kind of move that TFC are good at pulling off, which is a distressed asset. The Richie Lareas, the Chris Mavingas, you know, the the guys that that aren't getting the minutes and maybe have had a, a, a pretty rough go of it over the last couple of years with injuries, and they come here and they and they maybe make a career for themselves. So that's really funny. I when you said Oro and his ability to get forward as as I got better, I just thought of do you guys remember the game where Oro took a penalty shot? i've chosen i've chosen to forget it but i also yeah. remember the game where pause and piatti decided to double up on a penalty shot oh my that, God. Was a, yeah, that was yeah, that was that was uh, i don't i think this will be less ambiguous this season in terms of who's taking mm-hmm. the penalties okay yeah there's nobody's no one's calling anybody Which actually, no that's actually an interesting thing like we actually don't know if it's going to be insignia or Bernadeschi, but that could be a conversation for another day that's it's, a good it's problem to have it's it's Jimenez for sure. It's Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's hey, Jesus. Good, yeah, good, good good spot. Both of them off. Yeah, good yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you <laughs> yeah, weren't like, you weren't here, but but I will say it again. Jesus in FIFA 23 is a monster. He's unbelievable. I love playing with him so much. It's insane. It if FIFA such, 23 was in I, real I love, we would not yeah, yeah, be yeah. worried about this roster right now. It'd be amazing. Well, be I mean, I, I, I. You know, Axis is keep keeps calling me out for being negative, so I'm going to try to be Mister Mister Ray of Sunshine. I'm excited about this <laughs> roster coming into this year. I'm excited to see what a proper off season does. I'm excited about these depth signings. I'm excited about actual roles for the kids, which is something that you guys talked about a lot last week. Giving them defined roles now instead of just throwing them out there on mass to 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 make up a starting eleven after a year of of, of the lion's den in their under their belt and a preseason i think you know these these complaints about our depth may be a little misgu- misguided because we do have that depth i mean we it, it it's now about getting you know these guys into into define into more defined roles as opposed to just throwing them out there and seeing what sticks and and so i'm 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 very excited about what what's going to transpire in the next yeah, I think, and I think you're right, Jeff. But I think like the the, and I think some of the concern about depth is is warranted in in the sense that that depth isn't necessarily veteran or more seasoned, experienced depth. I don't even want to say veteran because every time you say veteran, people think it's like people that are above thirty in this league, <laughs> which doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means mm-hmm. more seasoned professionals in those roles, and I think that's where a lot of supporters go because again we kind of look back to 2017 i mean especially because again bill manning sometimes says things that i don't think he should say one of the things i mm-hmm. don't think he should have said was should be banned 
we're going to be looking at this like it was the 2016 offseason going into 2017. And like, yes, maybe you're looking at it. Don't say it that way. And, and the only yeah. reason being is that. I think that it was 2015 just, going into Or 2015 going into 2016. Sure, you're right. For the record. Um, <laughs> but like, well, well, I mean, I think both offseasons. I think it could be a combination of both offseasons, right? Because you made moves in both offseasons to sign veteran players that were supposed to take you over the top. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea here. And clearly, yeah. But I don't think you necessarily need to go and, you know, sign a ton of those players. I think you do need, you still need spots to fill for sure. But you can also rest sure that if you, if your targets fall through or if one of the two or three remaining targets fall through, you still have young players that can step into those roles and give you valuable minutes especially if they've been able to make the jump and make another leap it's not going to be you know i don't think you're going to see one of the young players take this gargantuan leap and all of a sudden become like an mls all-star or anything like that this season never say never you know okay maybe never say never but i mean let, let's just be real like they're probably going to take a step but it's an it's enough as of a, of a step that you can be a little bit more confident in giving them minutes 100 crucial situation Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this development, like regardless of what how we feel on the subject, like and, and how much emotion we have tied into it and frustration and disappointment, but isn't this development, you know what I mean? Obviously, last year was a bit of an outlier because they saw so many minutes, but maybe it was worth it because now... You know they've been to the Christmas party. They've 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 un they've you know emptied their locker and then stuffed it in again. They've had time off. They've had a time to reflect, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Another coming they've back. They've emptied more defined... their locker and stuff. Well, I just you know, <laughs> I, I I was looking for a better metaphor. Just you know, how much easier is the second year of a tough job than the first year? Right. Sometimes you do need to have to you need to tie a bow on it. Right. Sometimes it's it's not as easy to pull yourself out when you're in the fire and say I need to address these things. Sometimes you need those two months of sitting on a, on a beach at Playa Cabana or whatever, you know, uh, having those thoughts and, and, and working it out in yourself. And I'm confident that, that, that may, we may see a knock on effect of, of all of the struggles that we had to endure last year, because these, these kids have now had a year in the pros and they've, and they've tied a bow on that year in the pros and they're hungry to prove themselves in a different context. And so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I say say what you will, but I think Nelson's going to have a breakout year this year because he almost did last season, and I I think if he sees, I I think if he says if he if he if he if he gets enough minutes, you know, ju- just judging by how how well he took to a very difficult situation, having to to fill in in midfield, and and the fact that there's much less pressure. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting big things. Of course, there's a, there's a chance he won't be here next week and who knows, but I, you know, I'm expecting big things and, and I like these signings, man. I like these signings and, and I want to circle back to something that you said, Mikey saying, do you still think we need a mobile center back to, to, to line up with hedges? Or do you not think that we've got it in the tank with the McNaughton, uh, out there to sort of, you know, have, have one, you know, excited dog just running headfirst into the wall and then the other one sort of playing the general in the back, right? Isn't that a perfect pairing? Or would you, do you think TFC needs to spend more money and and find someone with a bit more seasoning? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I'd be interested to see how that pairing works. I, I do like the potential of a dynamic, that potential dynamic. That being said, for me, Lucas McNaughton, as, as much as 
he's shown flashes of potentially being a, a very good center back. If you want to be considered a contender, as Toronto FC want to be considered, you you got to go out and you got to get a better center hmm. back than than a Shane O'Neill and Lucas McNaughton. You got to get a okay. starting quality center back uh, in this league, if not better. And you have the ability to to go out and do that. So I'm interested to see, you know, just what they do with that position. It's something they've wanted to I- address, whether that be a starting center back or whether that be depth piece. That maybe that. The answer is you go get a guy who's who's kind of like a Shane O'Neill, but obviously a different profile, but that mm-hmm. quality. Maybe that's the answer. But for me, I think it'd be better. Obviously, you got to do it within the constraints of their salary budget. But yeah. the the answer for me would be to go out and get a, a sure thing at center back and really cement and solidify this starting eleven. Yeah, and I think to that's tie fair. both of your points sort of together here, I think that's why. Great. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, 2017 Mavinga would have been well, perfect. Yeah. You can't, you can't yeah. replace those squads. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, in the end of the day, yes, the last season was really frustrating to watch and, and it, it got frustrating to watch the kids struggle and, you know, see this glimmer of hope when the new players came in and it died out really quickly as almost as soon as the spark out. But I don't think the season was a complete waste, right? And I, and I think that the fact that you have these players that now are on these minutes does, does two things, right? And I think it was one is you, we talked about the depth, right? That the piece of being able to now trust some of those young players, watch them, see if they've progressed and move them into serviceable minutes when you need them to play those serviceable minutes. Yep. But the other hand is they're now trade assets, legit trade assets in MLS that now teams have seen them play and think, hey, I can maybe do something with a talent like that. And maybe you use that player as a piece in a move to get something that you need, whether it is a center back or whether it is a forward or depth midfielder, right? I think you, you in a lot of ways, although it feels like last season was a lost season, in many ways uh, that season, I think, could potentially set up another run of TFC dominance where you've got some young players that you think will be a part of your team yep. or core, you know, going forward. And then other, and other players that can help you build the rest of that core, whether it's be a trade or you sell them on and get some money for them. Uh, and from that perspective, I think that's a win, right. Of playing that kid, the kids in the yep. first half of the season, even if it wasn't necessarily the full plan. And if they grow into decent depth roles for the squad, uh, like you said last year, and end up MLS lifers. That's not so bad either. No. Absolutely, I almost not. think that's best case scenario for if you're a Toronto FC, right? You don't want your hmm. guys, or you do, but you maybe not your first choice is your guys to blossom into a Jaquil Marsh ready where he's going to move on from the club potentially at 18, 19 years old. Maybe yeah. you do want that, but maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll be better for to develop a guy like a Kosey Thompson or DeAndre Kerr mm-hmm. who look like guys that maybe could spend 10 years in major league soccer for Toronto FC, right? Maybe that's what's better for them, but interesting dynamic. Yeah. I agree with you, Mike, you know, they're the groundwork has been set. It's about what, how you build off of that, I guess. Um, When I say depth though, like my concerns is if whatever, circling back to Raul Petretta, if Raul Petretta Mm -hmm. picks up an injury, who's your team's, who's the team's backup left back? Where is Caden Chung? What happened to Caden Chung? He's a camp. I, I, he's a camp. Yeah, I'd like. I, 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 I think he's a capable 
uh, deputy at left back. Give him some minutes. See if he can see if he can make uh, make it work. Great, with, uh, great kid. Great Lorenzo and Singer. I think you probably move Richie Larea to left back before you do that. I like that's, honestly. That's well, no, I'm not arguing that. Yeah, I'm I not arguing that, but I'm just saying Caden gets no minutes. So, you know, he's he's right there and that's his preferred position. So I, I do think that depth may be sorted. Do you think, do you think how do you think Lorenzo would feel if he had to link up a bunch with a guy like Caden Chung? No offense to, to Caden, who like I said, fantastic human being. But Yeah. No. I mean, I'm of two minds of the subject. I'm of two minds of the subject because, you know, there is a part of me that's like, well, maybe Lorenzo sees this as a project and he's going to teach Caden exactly what kind of service and what kind of movement that he needs. And Caden, because he's got sponge brain, because he's a young player, takes to it like a like a like a, a moth to a flame. But again, uh, you know, that that's rose colored glasses thinking. And and listen, you know, not not to point out, but before it disappears into the into the into the wild blue yonder of old comments kevin martin's is saying we need a benoit Sheru. well we've got one his name's victor vasquez uh and he's fulfilling the benoit role this year yeah um like yeah me, yeah think, i mean yeah i think like at the end of the day you if you look at what this team sort of needs if we sort of look at okay look we've we've brought in a backup goalkeeper a number one goalkeeper uh another depth forward in diamande we've re-signed oso you know, we've got Vasquez in, as you mentioned. Matt Hedges is in as a number one center back. Uh, Petrarca is now in as your left back. Um, you know, are we now, is it now time for TFC Live to feel a little bit more confident in this roster? And that's one of the questions, I, that is one of the questions I have out for burning questions, but I want to take it to you guys. Uh, Jeff, I know you said you are confident. Um, or your I mean, Femi, Femi, and I don't want to, I don't want to mangle his last name and antique blah, 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 blah. isn't that his, isn't that his natural position left back? And wasn't he shredding for, for TFC two last year? I mean, at, at some point th- that's two depth signings that probably make one decent player. If you get him into like the fly and, and just <laughs> ma- mash their DNA together. But, but like, I mean, you know, there is a precipitous drop off usually from your first 11 to your depth players. And that's pretty constant in MLS. I realize the league is changing, but it's still there and it's still pervasive. So the expectation that, you know, our backup left back is going to be a world beater, I think is totally unreasonable for MLS in 2023. Um, You know, do I, am I happy about the depth? I think being an MLS fan is perpetually being unhappy about the depth. Right. But do I do I think that there are, you know, a week ago when we looked at left back, it was it was tumbleweeds, right? Like there was nobody there that wasn't Caden Chung or a guy on TFC two. Now there seems to be at least a depth chart that you could put down on a whiteboard and won't make you cry. So it's definitely steps in the right direction. You know? Yeah, I'd say so. Am I confident in the team's roster, Mike? Way more confident than obviously, as Jeff said a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the framework. I think when you look at a starting eleven, the only piece they're really, really missing is a center back, and then potentially, potentially an upgraded striker. But then we still have three swings at it in Diamande and and Akinola and and Jesus Jimenez. One of those could potentially hit and and become the team starting number nine. So, I, yeah, you know, you you have to. I'll say I think this team's starting eleven 
will match up against almost any team starting 11 in Major League Soccer. So that's a really good position to be Fair. in. Right? Yeah. And that, yeah. as a TFC fan, you have to feel optimistic about their chances going up against any other team when they're healthy. Right? I, ke- I keep saying when they're healthy. I know injuries happen to every mm-hmm. team in the league, but this particular version of TFC, the way that it's constructed, the way that it's built, it's going to be really reliant on their starting 11. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It, it, and it's not mm-hmm. like it's the youngest starting 11 either. Nope. So... Yeah, this team healthy. And that's a that's a tough ask because we're we never stay healthy. So I I agree with you. I agree with you that it that there are there are uh red flags everywhere. Um I just yeah, yeah. I, I, I do feel better about it than than I did before. And that's Here's, that's something. Yeah, and and then when I look at this roster, yes, I feel a little bit better. I actually think the biggest hole or the, uh, I mean, center back as a whole, but um, I, I really do think midfield, I, I really do feel like there needs to be another, an, you need another signing at midfield. I really do think you need another hmm. depth signing at midfield. What, what type Duncan, of player are you Duncan for? agrees because with you. Have, well, you have Jaden Nelson, who can play center midfield yeah. if he needs. You have yeah. Victor Vasquez, who obviously yeah. played center midfield last year for the LA Galaxy, and then you have DeAndre Kerr. Yeah. Three guys who played, and then you have Kosi Thompson that could potentially play there as well. Yeah. So there are four guys who have last year, based on what you were saying earlier, who have experience now in that position. Agreed. Agreed. So there's a, that's four four names that four, aren't starters. But those are four players that can probably spell Oso and Mark Anthony K. I knew you so were going to say that. It's the six. It's the six. Oso would theoretically... Drop cool. down to a six, right? You could, He's done it. You could he do that. Really yeah, he's well. done it before, and I and I see that. I don't think that's the best use of Jonathan Osorio um, in an eleven. But yes, he can do that. But I wonder if it makes sense to find someone who can who naturally pays that position. And to and again, I guess I guess you you could use Mark Anthony K there as well. Um, but again, I don't think that's the best use of Mark Anthony K. You know, I, I, I think it is worth thinking about finding someone who can really spell Michael Bradley. Um, look, he's he's the Terminator. Um, the guy's played more minutes than he's ever played in his career last season. Not, I don't think necessarily by design, but he, at some point you do have to talk about this. Like, like Liam Fraser, exactly. Uh, he, uh, That's what uh, I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, but I, I actually think somebody who is a bit more of a destroyer, right? Like some, like William Frazier is a very good footballer, very good. Darlington Nagby. Call him up. Let's go. Hey, well, uh, we don't have that kind of money anymore, but like, you know, exactly. like, I mean, that, that's what I, that, that, yeah. But that's what I mean, right? Somebody who can be the destroyer. I think if you find somebody who can spell those minutes, especially as you, as we've mentioned, 24 games in a very short period of time before League's Cup, um, you know, to spell Michael Bradley and give him a blow from here and there, then I think you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're in a better spot, a much better spot. Um, well, yeah, point. but I mean, but what you're saying is we're looking for the two biggest unicorns in professional football, right? A left footed mobile center back and a num- and a number six destroyer, right? Like, you know, that, that's quite the shopping list. So yeah. And then, and then compound that with MLS, compound that with the moves that we've made and what's left in our, in our war chest. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, listen. Well, I'm not Mike, talking about, like, 
yeah. N'Golo Conte here now. That dream's gone. I, I, you are I've talking accepted. about N'Golo Conte. Accepted, well, Let's yeah, be honest, I, you are I've talking accepted, about N'Golo Conte. I've accepted that that dream has passed. But I mean, yes. you can find yeah. someone in MLS that is not a ton of money that can that can not. I'm not saying replace Michael Bradley. You can't replace Michael Bradley. That's not what I'm saying. Mm. I'm saying someone who can spell minutes and do a maybe there's a, a job. There's a player on TFC too who is really important, and I know trained with the first team for a lot of last season there's a kid by the name of alonso camarero and if you look at where he came from he came from spain um i forget the the academy just off the top of my head but he's from madrid he's 23 years old and he played that similar role to michael bradley that deep lying midfielder where the ball kind of went through him for tfc2 now obviously hmm. there's a big gap between him and 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 michael and, and mls but that could be a potential cheap option if TFC find themselves in the position where they do need to dispel Michael Bradley. But listen, I mean, Michael Bradley is still. Yes, AJ, my man, my man. That's right. Bring in Cesc Fabregas. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyway. He's still one of the most durable players in Major League Soccer, Michael Bradley, right? He played almost every minute for Toronto FC last year, and he looked pretty good doing it. So there's also that concern. So maybe Alonzo Camarero is the potential fill because you don't need a player just to fill Michael Bradley. Yeah, it 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 the dichotomy of this drives me crazy because people are like, well, let's not break the bank on depth signings, but let's get a six who we know is going to play at best 500 minutes because it's Michael Bradley that he's deputing for. You know what I mean? So so this this is this is like the this is the ultimate. TFC question and I love it like and I and I can't I I have not heard a single person that has expressed it better than our own Mikey Singh when we talked about this endlessly and I I don't remember what it was but there's nobody better than Michael Bradley you're not gonna find like I realize his age I realize the 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 miles that he's got on his body but honestly for what we're paying I don't know if you can find a better number six in the league than Michael Bradley and if you do he's not jumping up the depth chart over Michael Bradley. So if we were to go and sign a Darlington Nagby, you know, one, we're, we'd be paying a lot of money for a guy that's not going to get the amount of minutes that 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 outlet, that cost outlay requires. So, you know, we're kind of damned if you do and we're damned if you don't. But he, he played the most minutes in his career last Ooh. year. And we have a whole new a whole new bespoke defense behind him. So maybe let's give the general a, a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt here. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't feel like the six is as important an area of need. And I, and I really dislike this idea that we're just going to throw money away at a deputy number six that isn't going to get those minutes because it's, we're talking about Michael Bradley here. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I, th- I think it's a yeah. fair concern. Like you don't have a natural six to slot in behind Michael Bradley, but we really haven't had a natural six behind Michael Bradley since Liam Frazier, right? I, I maybe I'm misremembering. Like Noble Akello was maybe the closest no, thing no. to it, but he the closest, but did totally different. Body he wasn't style. really yeah, a natural too. six. So this isn't a a, a one year type of problem. Like this has been maybe an issue for for a couple seasons now. And uh, mm-hmm. as Mike's kind of alluding, maybe this will be the season that catches up to them because it is a void. Right, I agree with Mike. Like it is, we don't have a natural number six. It's not up for today. We don't. No, but we maybe don't. Maybe we can. If that problem does arise, maybe you can 
shift an Ozo or, or Mark Anthony K back there, or maybe TFC will go out and address it. Who knows? Or maybe Victor Vasquez can can fill that role in a different way, right? Not necessarily destroyer, but you slot back into a midfield three instead of a single pivot back there, and then maybe you're covered but from that. Right? I like there that ways to go around, role, right? Like again, that's where I'm coming from. Like, yes, we can we can plug hole. I don't want to go on this forever, but I, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. We you know we can plug holes by moving players and shifting around, but is that the best? way to use no, your arsenal absolutely no. not so that's why absolutely i'm saying not. that might be but it's a, a michael bradley to... yeah but again it's the michael right. bradley conundrum yeah yeah, yeah. Right. no i mean we all agree it's a, it's a terrible way it's it's terrible but it, it it is what it is i mean we we've been dancing around this maypole for a long time and and it's going to take something astronomical to upset the apple cart in this respect i think and 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 maybe like mike singh says this is the year where father time catches up and we find ourselves in a position come the summer that you know not having a number six is a serious detriment and then maybe that dp spot is still around and we and 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 you're <laughs> and and your guy comes to tfc and and i cry because we didn't get Seth Fabregas, but that's that's besides the point uh but but i mean i mean us us talking about the dearth of options at number six is like a TFC heritage moment and long may it rain because it, it just, it's, it's one of the peculiarities of our club. We all know it's craziness, but there is really no solution because when you're behind Michael Bradley in the depth chart on this club, you are miles That's away it. from the pitch, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's, it's a, a good problem to have in, in a weird way, because in the end of the day, it's like, well, you, at the worst, you still have Michael Bradley. Right? Exactly. Like it, it's, exactly. It's, it's a weird, good problem to have for TFC fans, um, and it, it's uh, it's it's one that I don't think is going away anytime soon because I don't think that. Can no. But the fact that we're here talking about a, a backup number six and a backup left back, it that's where we're at right now. It had to be said, one hundred percent. It had to be said. Yep. And that's right? unbelievably positive. There's a lot less holes now to fill than there was a couple of weeks back. So I think that from that perspective, it's it is extreme positive. Uh, you have your starting keeper. You have potentially your backup keeper there in Thomas Romero. Maybe they even go out and get an actual backup keeper. Um, that's, <laughs> you know, like a for sure thing because Thomas Romero isn't mm-hmm. a for sure thing by any means. Um, and then you have your starting left back. You have a starting center back. You have your starting right back. You have your three starting mids. And you have your three attackers. Like that's a good position to be in right now if you're – if you're Toronto FC, so let's look at mm-hmm. it through that lens, right? A lot less yep. holes now to fill, and they still have some some moves that they're going to make. So that's yeah, exciting. Yeah, and I and I you know segueing into sort of the TFC burning questions here. One of the things that we asked you out in the community uh, was, how are you feeling about the makeup of the roster and what you think the team Uh-oh. needs? And look. <laughs> And look, the majority of you got center back, right? So I don't need to necessarily read out specifically who said center back because pretty much all of you did. I've said that um, like 12 times on the show. Exactly, right? <laughs> so we know we need a center back. We get that. But there were some interesting divers outside of that that I thought was interesting. A lot of people felt that a backup central defensive midfielder was needed. Um, you know, uh, some people don't feel like that. Like Teddy feels like TFC still has ma- major holes to fill. You know, feels like a big time center back is needed, which again, you define big time center back how you want to define that. 
um, but it, that is there. Uh, and then a center forward depth, right? That's the other thing that a lot of people are looking for is this idea around, can we find another striker? But if you look at center back and you look at striker, that's probably the position we have a lot of players at. I mean, right now on the roster, we've got five forwards, right? If you mm-hmm. think about it, plus at center back now, I think we got four or five center backs. Like how many teams are carrying five center backs and five? Not forwards, a lot. Right? Four Sorry. center. Backs. I think four. Yeah. Four Sorry, yeah, that's right. Yeah, four center. Backs. But that's including Luke Singh. Who... Yeah. Yeah. Jerry's Is still he out. still on our books? He's on. Wow, I didn't he know. Did, he did the season. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I season. had no idea. I had no idea we we were still on our books. Um, that's interesting. That's Well, he's been playing in the CPL for like a hundred thousand years. So, so I had no CPL idea. It was one season. Yeah. It was he literally one season. season. I mean, he played it like, felt, it felt like six. It yeah. felt like eight seasons. Like no, they did sort of banish him last year, but he is, yeah. I think he's yeah. back in the mix. So we'll he see kind of what happens. He should be back in the mix. I don't know if he's training with the first team. And there were times, there were times during 2021 where he looked like he could be a player oh man what what was it what was what was the mexican venture club Club leon he was a world beater don't ever forget man yeah he's got a shining moment you know yeah Um, everybody's got a shining moment i but you you said it right there i mean everyone's screaming for depth and then you look at our depth chart and maybe you don't like the player but there's a lot of bodies there and they're they're on the books they're on the roster i mean i I don't want to misquote, but I can't, I think it might've been one of your tweets where uh, Mikey Singh, where you were like, there's a, there's a potential that TFC leaves some players just stranded because they don't, they, they have a maximum amount of players that they can name for their roster in a bunch of weeks. And there's a lot of people on the fringes right now that may not even get called up to the senior team roster. Um, so we got some depth. My, I don't think that was my okay. tweet, but yeah, it, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it sounds take, way less but, smart no, than what, your tweet. So. Yeah, that sounds way smarter than what I would tweet. Um, no, no, way less smart. Way less smart. I was giving you a compliment. Uh, oh, dang. Yeah. I just assume that you're just saying the word. <laughs> um, no, but that, that leads to a good point, and that's the fact that there are going to be moves that are going to be made that transfers players out of the club, either transfers or loans out of the club. Um, obviously, Hugo Mbonga is an easy one to kind of put your mm-hmm. finger on there. He's likely going to spend a lot of next season with TFC2 unless they – they find a better loan opportunity for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Potentially Jordan Peruza, another loan My candidate. favorite attacking midfielder, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, he's shown flashes of, of different positions that he could play, which TFC do like, but potentially another guy who could be loaned out depending what happens uh, with their other strikers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Luke, Luke Sang is another easy one. Um, I'm not sure if Temi Antonoglu spends the entire time with the first team, Caden Chung is another guy. So that's five names just off the top of my head who very viable candidates to not start with the first team at the start of this year, right? So they do mm-hmm. have simple, easy moves that they can make to get under that compliance. Uh, mm-hmm. That compliance date, I believe, is February 24th. So between now and then, uh, TFC will get everything in order in terms of some subtractions from the club but also uh, some additions as well. So yeah, the as much as we're sitting here talking about what TFC could look like, they're still not done, but at least the framework is in place. Hey, well, Coachella will tell us a lot when they go out there. Um, and yeah, play yeah. In the tournament. Um, but a couple of comments <laughs> here from, uh, with, yeah, it's so weird to say that they're playing a tournament in Coachella. Um, but here, a couple of comments here from TFC Live Community just on how they're feeling about the rosters. Uh, Greg mm-hmm. Finley says moves have been positive. Starting 11 should be very good. 
depth at center back, fullback, midfield, wing, winger is, uh, could hurt us. Um, can't assume Michael Bradley can play every minute. Um, he's actually feeling like the striker position might be okay for right now. Um, you just roll with Menez, Akinola, and Diamande and see who kind of hits, um, which which I think me, makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, again, you at Redux here just saying it feel uh, feeling uh, better about the team when you look at the whole offseason. It doesn't seem that bad. Need a striker, need center back. Um, <laughs> Alfonso Marco Salzano just says Pozuelo in really in all caps. Um, yeah, some people really took that. Um, I know we mentioned it earlier about the Pozuelo comment, but a lot of people actually took it as like he might want to come back. Um, which I did not. I mean, I joked a little bit, but I don't think he's not coming back. Like, he's not a not chance. Back. Not a chance. He's not coming uh, back. Yeah. Um, uh, Ravi says, uh, would feel a lot more at ease with the center back si- uh, situation. Although I feel TFC are giving McNaughton and O'Neill a final opportunity to fight for that spot. Um, yeah, wouldn't jump on a DP signing quite yet. That's another thing actually that's come up in come in some of these conversations is the idea of that third DP spot. I know, Mike, we talked about it a bit last week, but and and how to use it. And it seems that the common census is go down the young DP route. But I wonder if TFC pull a fast one on us and maybe pull something like a Pablo Piatti and just go for one. That's year. what I want season kind of not quite alone but it feels like it's like a hey we're going to give you a season you to fill this particular role and then look if things work out great maybe we find a way to bring you back as a tam player if not then thank you very much for the season what do you guys think what if none of the above what if the Did option was leave not it? not using your third dp spot i personally would be okay i know a lot of people are not like I know a lot of people, a lot of comments are like, how are we going into this season without a third DP? That's just the the, the makeup and the marketing aspect of MLS, right? You are, mm. typically you understand that there's three DPs on every roster and those are your three stars. But maybe the way that TFC have sort of invested heavily in Insignia and Bernadeschi, the best way for TFC to maximize the roster and get the best out of the you know, the rest of the roster and the ensure that everyone else's quality, uh, you know, spots two through 15, for instance, is by not using a third DP, but using two DPs. And that way you still get the, I believe you still get the under 22 initiative slots, but you also get another perk, um, which I think in some way, shape or form is, is more, allocation money uh to spend on the rest of your roster so there are ways to to maximize the rest of this roster without using that third dp slot which you know what i was or what you could do is a guy like jonathan osorio this is why i suggested it way back um because that's the rumblings i was hearing is that mm-hmm. you could consider Jonathan Osorio or Michael Bradley to be your third DP. They're under the 1.625 million, whatever it is. They still qualify as like a, a different category of designated player, which still unlocks all three of those things that I just mentioned. So there are advantages to not using that third DP slot, especially when TFC, quite frankly, just don't have the budget to go out and get a legitimate 
you know, DP yeah. hands down type of player. So there are there are advantages to it. Yeah, yeah, because like like I got a like comment here from Alex Kemenisi just saying like going into the third I don't know if it's actually the third um, consecutive off season or going into the start of a season off the off season without all three active DP spots being used is a bit of self sabotage and I'm not like I get it um, like I understand the the thinking behind it because you just think look teams in the league that generally are winning MLS cup now are using all three DP slots um, mm -hmm. to, to fill out their rosters. But I really think they, a TFC need to be a little bit more creative. And I personally think they should be, be using it for a third does uh, a third young DP and then signing those three U 22 initiative player slots and using that to find younger talent that you can hopefully develop into first team players or they just come in already as stars, but that also requires a, probably a bit of transfer fee uh, to bring those players that's in. Right? That's so, so that's the thing you gotta be, you gotta be wary about. And I understand that perspective. I think still that is the way that the club should go in the future in terms of setting itself up for not just this season. Right. I know everybody's thinking about, the Insigne Bernardeschi window and you only got so much time and then, you know, poof, the, the window closes and we turn into a pumpkin again. But I don't necessarily think it needs <laughs> to be that, right? Like, I think it can be them plus you're building a bridge to the next version of what this club will look like maybe after after they're gone. But what this club may look like, um, you know, as a, it's a sort of a hybrid model with them in the club as well. Yeah, that that's one way. And I I see people, some people, uh, still, I guess, being a little bit negative about the team not using a third DP spot, and not really understanding it. Like, it's not a bad thing for them not to use the third DP slot. Like I said, there are benefits to rounding out your roster in other ways, or not using a tr or not signing a traditional DP whether that be a young DP or a DP under the the threshold. So maybe the best way to get the best out of this Toronto FC roster is by not using a third DP slot and not signing a, a guy like a Pablo Piatti, whereas mm -hmm. you, now you can sign you know, Sean Johnson and Petretta and, and three other pieces now instead of just the one piece who knows? Who knows the, the direction this team does decide to go? But that is sort of where they're leaning, right? It's not. It's not going to be a traditional DP that maybe some people are expecting. Yeah, and and I, you know, as much as I'd love to see them do a Piatti move for Olivier Giroud, as much as I'd love to see it, um, you know, how many DPS? Like, what's been the change over the deep the DP revolving door at this club over the last couple of years have been obscene like if you look at like a six month spread where it was like saltado salcedo la 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 um i think it's i think it's fair that the that the club is treating this as a bargaining chip and you know it occurred to me while i was listening to you guys talk but what better motivation to take your chances at tfc than knowing that the club has a dp like Hey, we're gonna we're gonna give you some minutes at, at, at left back, and if you, if you if, if you don't hit, we're gonna replace you with a designated player. Like I think that that might be that might have a knock on effect in terms of motivating the rest of the players that aren't on DP wages to kind of to kind of pony up. Um, you know, in the same way that people are raging, you know, not using it is is like a bird in the hand 
worth two in the bush kind of logic. I, I do think this this U-22 thing, you know, where are they, right? Like, it, you know, if it's difficult to hit on a DP, imagine exponentially raising that level to, you know, a, a, a U-22, right? Like, I, I just, I think this idea that that it's going to solve every problem in the world, it may be a little short-sighted. I, you know, again, Olivier Giroud, love to have him. If that's not happening and and the club is basically communicating to us that they're out of money in, with respect to, you know, that that big ticket kind of signing, then hold on to it. See what happens as as needs arise. Know that you have that open spot on your roster to spend it wisely, as opposed to maybe what they've been doing over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I think the one thing and we can wrap up uh, on sort of this is the by not using it now. The one thing you do is you do leave yourself some flexibility to when the summer window opens, right? Um, because you can look at your team at that time and sort of make a decision. And maybe it's, uh, you know, Bill would have to go to the board um, at MLSE and ask uh, for more money. But if you see yourself in a position where maybe you are a little bit ahead of where you thought you would be with this roster, maybe you are challenging for a shield, um, you know, and, and maybe you are up there, you know, swing with the mm-hmm. LAFCs and the Phillies of the world. And, and obviously those are two very different builds on, on how they've, they've achieved their success. But you put yourself in a position where like, hey, maybe you can go into summer and go and make a, a bigger move than you anticipated mm-hmm. making yeah. because you're, yeah. you're in that position now. And you can say, hey, let's go for MLS Cup. We're in that position. This is the piece we need. Um, so that is that is another potential advantage too is that it, you, you just get to use it later now i know there are a lot of arguments against that as well there's only 10 games left what if you're out of it but i'm talking about if you're in it right if you're in yeah. it and you're you have a legit shot of of being there and maybe you now realize yeah we need a number nine to really okay. give ourselves that shot or maybe yeah. we really do need to find ourselves maybe you do go get a dp left back though i hate the idea right maybe that is what you do <laughs> But well, that's, uh, that's the thing too, Mike, is like we're talking about TFC potentially contending or at least being a playoff team with only two DPs on their roster right now. So maybe it mm-hmm. is an ace in their back pocket that they can potentially use later along, right? You need to, when you're yeah. using a DP spot, we've seen at times how difficult it could be to get rid of that DP. Yeah, make no mistake. This is this is a need. The club is being gun shy. They've been bit on DPs make no mistake. Like I I think the proof is in the pudding. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Don't want to get saddled with, you know, we've just, we've just only now extricated ourselves from some of the really problematic albatross contracts. So, you know, just, just doing it again, guns blazing is probably not the move here, you know? And, and I listen, I, in pure numbers, I agree with the, with the hot takes that are like, you get three DPs, you need to, we want to be competitive. We, we, you know, we, we've had two terrible seasons. What the hell are we doing? Like leaving, leaving something on the table, but you know, listen, one of the reasons for those two bad seasons was that a lot of bad deals went worse. Uh, so maybe the move is to try to avoid bad deals that can constrain your, your ability to spend. And, and maybe the team doesn't really have that, targeted area of need right yet there's there's still stuff that needs to be figured out absolutely and with that i think we'll end the show guys um thank you everybody uh for your comments uh on the burning questions it was really great yeah it was hot tonight um loved it uh and again of course 
Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. We will be back next Monday. Um, as always, subscribe if you haven't on all the all the things, podcast, YouTube. Uh, we're dropping shows on uh, live on Mondays. And of course, the podcast comes out uh, usually on Tuesday mornings, afternoon time. We'll, that will drop for you. Um, uh, and then other than that, uh, for Michael uh, Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace. Great show. And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die.